Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. That we've entitled, Let's Talk About Wellness. The reason we did that because of all the stuff that's going on in the world, not just coming out of COVID and all of the things that now uh, the healthcare community is identifying are like the results or the residue from people being quarantined and uh, having their, their, their economics, you know, turned upside down and losing their jobs and having to reroute their rhythms. And, but not only that, as we're coming out of it and we're trying to find new normal in, you know, in whatever state across the country has different parameters and they're kind of ebbing and flowing in that. But not only that, we're still hearing things on the horizon. Uh, in, inflation's coming and the world's, you know, the world's on fire and you got different countries that are uh, vying for position and it, it's just challenging from a healthcare community perspective. It's challenging for people to find health and wellness and moving forward when everything behind them was kind of messed up and everything in front of them doesn't look like it's completely stable. And uh, we decided it would be really important for us to join that conversation because the conversation's growing in case you haven't uh, understood. And so uh, we kind of set these goals for ourselves. <clears throat> we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to clarify what does the Bible say about wellness? Because you need to understand it talks about it a lot. I, and there's, there's a ton of different scriptures and different things that God says about wellness. The second thing we're going to do, we're going to discover or rediscover what the Bible says about the intended role of wealth and of health. Once again, God's not embarrassed about that. He doesn't mind talking about it in church. And so, uh, and, he, and he's, he's pretty, you know, pretty prol- prolific. He, he talks about it a lot, but we need to find out what does God say about it and what's the intended role and the intended purpose. And so we're going to go back and look at that. Not only that, here, here's what I want you to catch kind of as a thread work going all the way through. There's this very real and very intentional divine, and I mean it's supernatural, a connection between God's uh, supernatural supply line. And let me clarify, I'm not just talking about spiritual stuff. I'm not just talking about, you know, feeling happy and, and being a little more inspired. Okay, I think I can make it through one more week. I'm talking about something that starts on the inside and begins to flow supernaturally and it moves all the way to the farthest extent of every one of your circumstances. So we're talking about natural supplies. We're talking about uh, resources, measurable resources. And and this is all real. God cares about that. The Bible talks about it. And there's this divine connection. In other words, nobody can break this except for you and I. There's a connection between that supernatural resource that starts on the inside, goes all the way to the outside, and uh, and our surrendered heart to the Lord. And, And there's a real connection. And we're gonna keep seeing it over and over. We'll look at it again today. But, but I want this to soak in in a different way. I don't care if you've been a Christian for, you know, 100 years or if you just got saved, you know, at the beginning of this service. I want you to look at it with fresh eyes and I want you to understand this is real. This is real. And the Bible goes to great lengths to try to convince us this is real. It's not just religious. It's not just inspirational. It's not just a happy thought or a happy place you go to. This is real. And I'm trying to get us to, to come back to it because... What's going to help us to move forward as the world continues to march into the last days, whatever that looks like, 
What's going to help us to move forward as triumphant, victorious Christians that are full of joy and that are resourced appropriately is for us to understand this is real and learn how to tap into this source because, again, God spent a lot of time helping us to understand it and to learn to connect with it. And so this is really important that we do this. Well, we set a theme text for the entire series, and it's in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, or some of you know it as 3 John 2 because there's only one chapter in that book. And, and I really would like for us to do what we did the first study, and let's read this out loud together. And that might be strange to some of you, or some of you might remember when we did that quite often, and we haven't done it uh, in, in a while. So we're going to read all of this together. The scripture is going to come on the screen right now. There it is. And, uh, and we're going to read this together. Ready? Everybody read. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let me express deep appreciation to all 12 of you that read that with me. Now, if the rest of us would join and we would raise our volume like we really believe this is God talking, let's fill the house with a declaration of God's word this morning. Let's read it again. Ready? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. I said it the first time, I'll say it again. What an incredible verse. What an incredible greeting that John passed on. And, uh, and because it really reflects what I believe every human being ultimately wants, right? We, we just want to prosper. We want to be healthy. We want to live rich, wonderful lives from the outside to the inside, from the inside to the outside. And that's what everybody wants. But we, we started studying last week and we found out that's exactly what God really wants too. In fact, one of the reasons I like that because it just, it really pictures in kind of a, a small circle what wellness really is. And we found out last week from the very beginning, wellness is God's idea. Now you have to let that sink in all the way till it hits the bottom, because if you don't, then you're going to be like lots of other people and lots of other Christians, unfortunately, that think that the only time you can really talk to God about things about wellness, health and wealth and, and however that disperses itself, the only time you can talk about him is when you're in crisis. And even then you kind of got to beg and you got to plead and you got to bargain with him and you got to cross your fingers, hoping maybe he'll do something. But when you begin to understand wellness is God's idea, always has been, always will be. Be, and he's not, he's not stingy about it. God wants to bless and he wants to heal and he wants to, to cause your life to flourish more than you do. In fact, so much so that when we get to heaven, those people that don't understand this about God are going to be shocked. Well, actually, we're all going to be shocked. But those people that don't understand that are going to be shocked at another level because God understands wellness. And God wants his people to live in wellness like all the time, all the time. Now, for some of you that are thinking, okay, here we go. We're drifting into the prosperity teaching. And listen to me, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of truth that we need to pull from the word of God concerning our health and wealth. But we're going to get to purpose. We're going to get to balance. And we're going to get to understand what God really intended. And you'll see a full picture. But you have to first understand this is God's idea. He's on board. You don't have to talk him into it. You don't have to beg him for it. You don't have to plead for it. What you do need to do is you need to stay connected to him with a surrendered heart. And when you do that, the Bible says wellness just flows to you. In fact, that was that one, you know, capturing statement that Jesus made in the Sermon on the Mount where he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and everything else will be added to you. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? So simple that we, we work hard to confuse it or we work hard to talk ourselves out of it. I, it can't be that simple. It's exactly that simple. Seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his giving you the right to lean into this and everything else just begins to flow. Wellness flows. And so we need to understand this is God's idea. The, the other thing we, we need to understand is that the Bible simplifies and encapsulates this idea of wellness when it talks about health and prosperity in relationship to our spirit, soul, and body. That's what makes all of us up, our spirit, our soul, or our mind and our emotions, and then our physical body. And so the Bible just kind of encapsulates it and talks about health and prosperity in those areas. We learn that health is not just our physical health. That from the word of God, health includes soundness or a stability or a good, smooth, solid, you know, healthy rhythm in all of these areas, spirit, soul, and body. That's literally what the Bible means when it talks about health. So it's covering your emotions. It's covering your, your mental state. It's, of course, covering your physical body. But it goes on to your, to your relationships. And all of those things are covered, and God talks about those. You have a resource. And then prosperity, of course, is not this American idea of just money or stuff. Prosperity literally means Old Testament and New to be able to keep moving forward in your journey. You have enough of what you need to keep making forward progress. You feel like you're growing. You feel like you're challenged. You feel like your life is not just caught in this rut and you're going nowhere, but you're actually moving somewhere in the plan of God. When God speaks of prosperity, that's what he means. That he's going to resource you to keep moving forward, to keep going ahead so that you can accomplish and you can uh, enjoy everything that God's given to you. And so we're, we're carrying these with us, but then we took it back out to the practical, to where the healthcare community is talking about it right now, because we need to be able to connect those dots as Christians. We know what God says, but how do we get that out into our practical life? And we found out that wellness in the healthcare community encompasses eight different mutually interdependent dimensions. And we're so grateful in this country that we have healthcare professionals in all eight of those. So if we need some extra help, if we need somebody to help diagnose what's going on, we've got all of that. But we also found out that not all of these eight different dimensions have to be equally balanced. They all need our attention. We all got to watch them because if you don't, if you let one of them start really crumbling, it'll affect all of them. But, but they don't need to be all equally balanced. And that's really important because that's where we're going to springboard today. Because the truth is, these eight dimensions, which are physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual, vocational, and financial, and environmental, these eight different dimensions in your life will never be balanced. Not, not, not in the traditional sense. We're all trying to get them to all be even. They're, they're never going to be balanced, starting with the fact that some of them will require a lot more of your time and a lot more of your attention to get what you need to put it into the rhythm of your life. Let me give you an example. When it comes to vocation, whatever your work is, whatever your career is, if you want to be successful... If you want to be doing a great job so that you can uh, uh, have income streaming in, you're more than likely going to have to work somewhere between 8 to 12 hours a day. Now, that's not just you know, a, a, a social or an organizational construct. The Bible actually says that, right? 
that we work from sunup to sundown. And so that's the 8 to 12 hours a day. And that's really what it's going to take for you to establish yourself in a career and to be able to make good money. Let's jump to another dimension. When it comes to our physical body, you do not have to eat and drink water for 8 to 12 hours a day to be healthy. In fact, if you're doing that, you're probably super unhealthy because we just don't need, we're not like animals where we got to graze all the time. We, we can do this in condensed periods and get enough nutrients in our body uh, so that we can make it. So not all of these dimensions are equally balanced in that sense, but you have to pay attention to all of them. The reason I bring that up is because the Bible's really clear that there's one of these dimensions that is absolutely essential. And you won't have to put the time that you will in a lot of other dimensions, but you will have to put this particular dimension, that's the spiritual dimension, you'll have to put that at the very top priority. It's like the the nozzle that connects to the main hose and everything's got to run through that. If you'll run everything through that nozzle, then everything else will calibrate itself and you've actually got a Holy Spirit that will come and he'll help you to keep all of the other dimensions in their right flow. If you don't put that one on first, then you will struggle, you will substitute, you will compensate, you'll try to figure out how do I keep filling the holes and, and, and combating the deficits and the things that are breaking down and, and you'll just be playing this, you know, this leapfrog game all the time But the Bible says, if you will seek first God's kingdom, you'll put that in the number one slot. You don't have to do it for eight to 12 hours a day. You don't have to quit your job and, you know, not have any fun in life. God's really big about all these fun and festivities. He he loves that for his people. But if you'll get this thing slotted where it's supposed to be, and I mean for real, not just an idea in your head, not just saying, yeah, yeah, no, that's really important because we're in church on Sunday. But if you actually do what the Bible really says and you get this slotted right and you begin to filter through that, everything else starts being calibrated. And not only that, everything else finds a divine flow and a divine resource. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Actually, the title today is called Wellness Flows from a Well. Wellness Flows from a Well. And and I wish I could just get you to land that practically. You know, every other resource has a starting point. And we just need to realize that when you take the umbrella of wellness and out of the eight different dimensions, pull spiritual to the top and let that be the nozzle. And when you begin to understand wellness is God's idea, he's the source. And when you attach the spiritual nozzle first, all the other seven dimensions can find their resource, starting with wisdom and and insight. What's going on? How do I adjust this? The Holy Spirit and the word of God will help you with all of that. But you have to get this nozzle flowing first, and you have to understand the wellspring of wellness that God provides for you and I. Let me kind of set you up with a story, and, and uh, just in case that you're not really, you know, chiming into where I'm headed yet. Summertime's here, in case you noticed that. And uh, I've been here for 18 years, and for almost all 18, summertime for me, the increase in heat and humidity is like the start of an annual battle that I have for about three months with my grass. And, and I'll admit right away, I, I've got a do-it-yourself irrigation system. So it's not professionally done. It's not on timers. It doesn't measure the soil and self-regulate. And so I'm doing all this myself, right? If I don't turn on the nozzle, the water doesn't come on. And if I don't pay attention, then I leave the water on, you know, four hours. And then I, I'm all messed up. So, so it took me a while to really understand this. And, and the painful experience has been year after year. I've managed to keep my grass from dying 
But I'm always in this, what I feel like is a losing battle just to try to keep, you know, the little roots in the ground so I don't have to start over. And, and it really, it mostly is my fault. It's inconsistency. Again, I forget, ah, oh, I forgot to turn the water on. Or I turn it on and I forget that it's on and then the grass gets too moist and because of the humidity, it doesn't dry overnight and here comes all the funguses and all the little grubs and the bugs who love, you know, all that stuff. And, and I end up then having to compensate now, now I have to come and I have to get insecticides and now I have to get special fungus killers and those things. And I'm just, I'm just fighting this all the time, you know, from my back, but it's all, it's all because of the inconsistency and in me not understanding. But this year I'm super optimistic because I've learned some things and it finally just clicked for me. And there's a couple things I've learned. Not all of the zones or the areas of my yard are the same. Some of them get a lot of sunlight and they need more water than the others. Some of them are in the shade, and so maybe they don't get the same amount of water. Maybe they actually get less water. And, and then there's a few of these zones that um, I just kind of have to play it by ear. I just have to watch it and say, well, I don't know what's going on there because the soil's, you know, not quite what it should be. And, and so I've just kind of kind of watched that, and I've got to measure it out. But as I do that, as long as the nozzle is connected to, you know, to the irrigation, uh, the different streams I've set up, and as long as that flow is right, as long as I'm getting the right amount of water in the right place at the right time, then here's what I, I've, I've, I've watched over, uh, uh, progressively, but I'm super confident about today that the grass is going to be fine. I'm not going to have to fight so many things because I didn't create the problems intentionally or unintentionally. I didn't create those. Now, I, I want you to catch that picture because in the very same way, God's design for wellness works like that. But so oftentimes, we, we disturb the health, the soundness of body, mind, emotions. We, we don't let that thing go on, on, a, on a, good, a good rhythm there because we're not putting the word of God first. We're not putting time with the Lord first and everything else gets off calibrated. And so what do we do? We start looking for stuff to compensate. We just need some time away. By the way, nothing wrong with time away. God loves that. But if you're going for time away because you're so depleted and so exhausted and so empty and the rhythm's bad, you're going to fill your tank up as much as you can. Then you're going to come back and be drained all over again. God would love for you to go away, but why not go away with a full tank and really enjoy the getaway instead of just, just you know, laying there just trying to recoup? This is not what God wants, but this is what we do all the time. And listen, we've been doing it for, you know, since the beginning of time, since sin came in the world, you're actually going to see it today. And so here's what I want you to understand. God's design for wellness is, is this flow this irrigation flow that's supposed to move into all of these different dimensions of our life. He doesn't leave one of them out. They're all important. But it shouldn't be a matter of struggling and striving and constantly trying to combat and conflict. If your life is always like that, something's wrong. There are times where we battle. There are times where we spiritual warfare, but we don't live in battle mode 24-7. We're not supposed to. And so the word of God, this flow, this, this flow of wellness is what calibrates that. And it helps us to have the, these, these times in the Lord where there are times of rest and there are times of refreshing and replenishing because at some point we will find another battle or another stormy season. But it, but it has this ebb and this flow rhythm. This is by God's design and it works every single time. 
Now, I'm going to take you through some passages that talk about this. And uh, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and way back the prophet Isaiah are all connecting together to work really hard to get us to wake up and see this is real. This is not just Bible lesson stuff. It's not just spiritual inspiration. This is literally how our lives are supposed to be resourced when we have a covenant of God. Like you can depend on it. This actually works. And so we're going to start in John chapter 7. And Jesus is uh, in, he, he's, he's in the middle of a feast that he'd been celebrating. And we're going to hear that Jesus makes this phenomenal announcement. And then we're going to go on this little journey in the Bible and see uh, what he was trying to get us to understand. John chapter 7, verse 37, it says this. On the last day, that great day of the feast. I need to stop you there because there's, there's some rich background that if you were in the Jewish heritage, you would understand. But most of us don't. And so let me help you with this. The feast he's talking about is the Feast of the Tabernacle. It happened once a, once a year. And, uh, and the people of, you know, Jewish people would actually move out of their house. And they would set up a little tent or a little lean-to. And for a week, they would live in that. Because the celebration was commemorating the fact that God not only delivered Israel from Egypt, but he also led them in the wilderness for 40 years. And these people lived well. I mean, they, they, you know, uh, uh, barring a couple of incidences that God spotlighted some spiritual things that were going on, they weren't sickly people. They weren't weak people. They were well-resourced. The nation actually grew. It defeated enemy after enemy after enemy after enemy. And it did all this because of a supernatural resource. And so every year they would celebrate it. It would be like you and I celebrating Thanksgiving like the way we're supposed to. But they did it in a kind of a camping environment. And the reason it's important we pause particularly is because part of this celebration, the priests would fill up these golden pitchers once a day with water, and they would carry them out in front of the people, and they would pour the water out on the ground as an offering to the Lord, reminding them that those 40 years that Israel traveled around the wilderness, that they were resourced with water from the rock. And the Bible consistently refers to it as the rock. Because here's the amazing thing. We, we don't have all the details, and it's mind-boggling to even consider. But they got into the wilderness and realized, hey, we're out here, over 2 million of us, and there ain't no water. I don't mean there's not enough water. There is no water. What are we going to do? And Moses, Moses consults the Lord, and the Lord says, hey, listen, uh, see that rock over there? And Moses is like, yeah, I wasn't there a minute ago. He said, yeah, I want you to go over and wrap that with, you, with your rod and watch what happens. And he does. And water began to gush out of this rock. And over 2 million Jews were able to hydrate themselves, were able to wash themselves and their clothes, were able to hydrate all of their animals and make sure that, that they were all taken care of. And this happened over and over for 40 years. In fact, the Bible tells us, interestingly enough, that this rock followed them. How crazy is that, right? So they're in this camp, two million of them. They got plenty of water. Every day they're filling up and they're taking baths and, and they're drinking and, you know, re refreshing themselves and, and their animals and washing everything every single day. But it's time to break camp. And Moses said, hey, listen, the Lord said, we've we got to move. We're going to move miles and miles away. And someone's like, uh, what are we going to do about water? Uh, we, didn't, we don't need to worry about that. God says he's going to take care of it. So they go to the next place. And Moses said, okay, this is the place. And so they start setting up camp. They're putting the tents together. And all of a sudden, somebody looks around. Hey, isn't that the rock that was back there? 
and Moses goes over and gives it a rep, and here comes the water, and, and they've got all the water they need. Never a shortage. This was like real-time, relevant. I'm not talking about spiritual refreshing only. I'm talking about real felt needs, and God did this for 40 years, and not one time did they ever have drought, not one time. In fact, it frustrated their enemies because their enemies would often think, hey, if we can just let them, just let them get right there in the desert, I, there's no water right there. This army's going to get so dehydrated and weak, they'll defeat themselves. And it was the opposite. They were flourishing. When they left a campground, a piece of property, things were growing there. There's greenery there that wasn't there before. All of these things because this, this particular rock kept following them. And so they would pour out this water and, and as an offering to the Lord, remembering, Lord, you did an amazing thing for us. And they would remember that. And while the priest was pouring out the water, the people had a part to play. They would line up, and when they began to be poured out the water, they would quote from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 12, verse 13, and said, Therefore, with joy, you, or they would personalize it, we will draw from the wells of salvation. Now, way back then, they didn't know anything about salvation that was coming to the New Testament, but back then, all they knew is that when God resourced them with water, he literally saved them. Physically, he saved their life. They would have died of dehydration in a very short period of time, but God literally saved four, uh, two, over two million people that were traveling. He did it consistently every day for 40 years, 40 years, 40 years. And so they were celebrating and they would say while the, while the water's being poured out, therefore with joy, we will draw from the wells of salvation. Now, this is where I ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because we're going to pull it in here and then go back to John 7. Because Paul knows this, and Paul feels it's so important that as the New Testament church, that we understand this, that Paul actually pulls on this same illustration. Listen to what he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Some places he uses the term ignorant. I don't want this to escape. I want this to be right in the middle of your thinking so you can process with this as part of the equation. He said, I don't want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Let me just stop. There's such rich symbolism here. And all of it leads back into our New Testament life with Christ. I wish we had time to go through all of it. We don't, but, but you can see it here. Uh, he says that we were under the cloud. We passed through the sea. We were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And here's where I'm going to highlight a couple of things. And we all ate the same spiritual food. Now we're talking about water, talking about the water that flowed from the rock, but you'll see that this is going to tie in a little bit later. He says they all ate spiritual food, and not only did they get water every day for 40 years, no matter where they were at, they also got heaven's fresh baked goods. And so every morning they would wake up, and there it is, the Starbucks buffet lined out there for them, all this wonderful, the Bible calls it angel's food. I mean, it was, it was, whatever it was, it was delicious. It was manna, and they could collect as much as they want. And you could eat it just like that, or you could grind it up and make bread and make, you know, cake, cakes and things out of it. But the bottom line of that was part of the substance they had for 40 years, over 2 million Jews every single day. And it got to the point where they just weren't even concerned. I mean, it was as confident as the sun's going to come up. What are we going to eat tomorrow? What are we going to drink? Well, we're going to go to the rock and we're going to fill up all of our pitchers and we're going to gather all the manna that's going to be there in the morning because it's morning. That's what happens. 
God is faithful. This is what he does. And so, but I want you to notice Paul says he calls it spiritual food. Because even though it was physical, even though they literally ate it and it physically nurtured them and sustained them, it had a spiritual origin. Nobody knew how it got there. They just woke up and there it was. But not only that, something spiritual happened inside also when they ate it because they were trusting the Lord and when it physically nourished their body, it also brought them peace of mind. They weren't stressed out all day like, what are we going to eat? How how are we going to survive? What are we going to eat tomorrow? No, God's faithful. God brought it today, enough for today. Tomorrow we'll need a new supply and he'll bring enough for tomorrow. And they began to learn to live in this groove. That's just how God is. So not only was it physically nourishing them, it was nourishing their faith. It was giving them peace of mind. It was giving them the confidence and the courage to keep moving forward in the journey because even though this is where the bakery was and this is where the water is, it's gonna be at the next place too because this is what God does because this is what he's promised us. And so Paul says it's spiritual food and all of them ate, look at verse four, and they drank from the same spiritual drink. Again, this is talking about that rock, literally water. Literally, you drink it so you can be hydrated, you can be refreshed, you use it for your hygiene to take care of all your animals, but he calls it a spiritual drink because the origin nobody could explain. It was just this covenant, this promise of God. No, don't worry. I will make sure you have all the water and all the food that you need to to move forward on this journey. And so they just kind of set their rhythm by it. You know, so new camp. Hey, listen, uh, we're going to finish up the tent here. Can you grab the pitchers and go fill up the water? Where is it? I don't know, but ask everybody. It's around here somewhere. And, And they were just confident about it. And so the Bible says, again, it gave them peace of mind, it gave them faith, it gave them courage, and they kept moving forward. Look at what Paul says going, moving on. He says, for or because the reason that they were confident and they were physically and emotionally and mentally and spiritually taken care of, for they drank of that spiritual rock, here it is, that followed them. Nobody understands it. The Bible really doesn't explain it. It just is. It says the spiritual rock that followed them, and listen to this, and that rock was Christ. Now, it wasn't literally Christ. Like, you know, when you got close to fill up your pitcher, it's not like you could see two little eyes and a little nose and a little beard there. It wasn't literally Christ, but it was a representative of the resource, and and it was Christ in a metaphor of what he would become to our life. And Paul's putting that in there. And by the way, that, that's not a, a one and done metaphor all through the Bible. Christ is, is referred to as the rock, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's the cornerstone. He's the stone that the builders rejected. And so he's that resource that remains solid, no matter if everything else is, is going up and down, he remains solid and always available. And here the Bible says that, that, that he, that's, that's what water flowed out of. So let me just summarize again for 40 years. As long as Israel followed God, the resource followed them. And they never had to worry about it. And they got to where they didn't. They, they just depended on that. That just became kind of normal for them. That supernatural resource was going to be there. And it met every one of their needs from the inside to the outside and then back to the inside again. Nothing was left out. Every need was met. And because of that, they remained well, healthy and prosperous in everything that we're doing. And listen to me, Jesus is about to announce this during this feast of celebration, but Paul grabs it and thinks it's so important that we understand it wasn't just them way back there, but because we have the same resource, Christ, who was the rock, we can live that same kind of a way. 
We don't have to stress and worry that because you know, there, there's shortages all over these other dimensions because we have the one dimension that will calibrate and the one dimension that will make up all the difference. Even if we're in a circumstance or a season or a place in life where there is no resource, we always have one. And we'll have it for as long as we need it in the abundant amount that we need it because God wants his people to be well. Now, Jesus is going to try to get this across, so let's go back to John 37. Now you have a rich background of this feast and what they were celebrating and why this is so significant because listen to what Jesus is about to announce. Verse 37, on the last day of that, uh, the great day, so this is the climactic day of the feast, the, the very last day. On the last day, the great day of the feast, and this would have been after the final pitcher of water was poured and after the final proclamation or the declaration by the people in Isaiah 12, 3, that we're gonna draw from the wells of salvation with great joy. We're excited because we know we're not gonna be short. God will keep us well. So after that final thing was done, it says, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, he's saying, hey, listen, we're celebrating what happened in the wilderness and that was great. But if you think that was great, come try this. Because this is on a whole nother level. This is a whole nother upgrade. And he says, goes on in verse 38 and says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, a couple things. Uh, he's referencing a number of passages in Isaiah that talk about God bringing these streams to the desert and these rivers to the wilderness and, and giving resource where there is none as a covenant to his people. And it doesn't actually say this anywhere, but Jesus is summarizing all of those prophetic passages. Not only that, Jesus is building on something that he said two years earlier to a woman at a well where he asked her for a drink of water and he said, you know, as satisfying as this drink of water is going to be, it's temporary. And I'm going to enjoy it. It's temporary. But if you'll drink from the water that I'm going to give you, it creates a resource that will quench your thirst forever. In fact, it creates an everlasting fountain, this, this fountain that never shuts down. Every time you go to it, it'll replenish itself, and you can draw whatever you need from this fountain whenever you need it in whatever circumstance you happen to be in. So he introduced it back there. Of course, he was talking about salvation, what starts it. But Jesus here is saying, yep, and that fountain of salvation will, will extend and turn into a river he said, rivers of living water, but look at verse 39 so that we would understand today what he was saying. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing would receive. They couldn't receive it that day. Jesus is announcing previews of coming attractions. If you think that water is great, you ought to try what's, what's coming. It's right around the corner. You need to believe in me and lean in. He said, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me just give you a quick New Testament update, starting in Hebrews chapter 1 and then moving to Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. We find out Jesus is, in fact, glorified. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. You'll find that in Hebrews chapter 1. And in Acts chapter 1 or 2, the Holy Spirit was definitely given and poured out on the church. And we're enjoying that now, which tells us that this rivers of living water, this rock that follows, up, follows us and replenishes and irrigates and hydrates and creates hygiene in to clean up areas of our life, that's a real thing and we can tap into it right now because it's flowing. It actually works. 
And so this is what Jesus is trying to give us. Now, all of that to say, we're going to go back to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to let Isaiah bring us home today. Because again, Jesus was drawing from all of these passages in Isaiah. Isaiah was the prophet that gave the most messianic prophecies, prophecies, the most promises looking forward to a day when God's people would be literally saved from the inside to the outside. And we're going to look at what he says in Isaiah chapter 55. While you're finding Isaiah 55, let me kind of show you the ramp. Because you really can't understand Isaiah 55 unless you understand Isaiah 54. And you're really not going to get what you need to out of Isaiah 54 unless you first understand Isaiah 53. So let me just kind of build it for you, okay? Isaiah 53 is one of the most famous messianic prophecies. It's when they first talked about this humble servant that comes to take the sins of his people. That's where you get the passage that says, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement or the beating for our, for our peace was put upon him. And by his stripes that we are healed. It's the, pack, the whole package of salvation promised in Isaiah 53. That brings you into the next chapter, Isaiah 54. And Isaiah 54 picks up and says, okay, once you receive the salvation package, and all those things are now available to you by the covenant of God, then here comes the flow of that resource. And it starts out and says, all of you who are barren, who are not living fruitful lives, it says, sing, cry aloud and shout for joy. Because more are the children, or we can say this, more is the fruitfulness of, of those that are barren but put their trust in the Lord than those that are married and are doing it by natural means and natural resources. He's, God says, I've got a resource that will supersede all of that. He goes on later on, and, and not only that, in Isaiah 54 down in 17 and 18, he says that we are to recognize that, that even if the enemy tries to come and stop, stop it, no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every tongue, even if anybody says, yeah, but it's not going to last. But look at them. They don't even have their act together. There's no way that they're going to. Any tongue that rises against and says that God's plan, God's resource, isn't what it says it is and won't work, he says, you can condemn that. Whether you say it out loud or you say it under your breath, that's not true. Nope. No, God is going to do what he said because he's God. He's faithful. Even when I'm not faithful, God will be faithful to me. Because he, he's the resource I've tapped into. And the Bible says that this is the heritage we have as children of God. And by the way, your right to declare that and to access that comes straight from God, your Father. Straight from God. So this is Isaiah 54, right? 53 is salvation. 54 is when you tap, everything starts flowing. And now Isaiah 55 is inviting you, saying, come on, what are you waiting for? Get into this flow. And this is what he's prophesying in Isaiah 55. Listen to this. It begins in verse number one, and it says, uh, <clears throat> Ho, or we would say, yo, yo, he's just trying to get somebody's attention, right? Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. <clears throat> Couple things there. <clears throat> he's not saying everyone who's just a little parched and everyone who's dry. Everybody has dry places in their life that we'd like to, to be refreshed and rejuvenated. But he says, but that's not good enough. He said, you have to be thirsty. Are, are you thirsty enough that you want those dry places? Because some people just live with them, right? Somebody, it is what it is. You know, we can't have everything in life and it just is what it is. So they live with these parched, dry places that are not producing and they're very unsatisfied, but they don't think God cares about wellness. And so they never tap in. But he says, listen, if you're here, everyone, if you're here and you're thirsty, he said, come to the waters. And notice this, he says, and you who have no money, Come buy and eat. 
And you're like, whoa, hold on, we're talking about water. Come to the water. Doesn't he mean come by and drink? And see, that's where we come back to that Old Testament experience because they were an agriculture agrarian society. And here's what they knew. Wherever water is, stuff grows. Wherever water is, everything else happens. And so when, when they switch, when, he, when Isaiah switches in the prophecy and says, come by, eat, the word by there actually is a very specific word, and it means to come by grain, to come to the marketplace and buy grain because there's plenty of flowing water, and we're an agricultural society, and if we got water, we got crops, we got grain. In fact, when God promised the children of Israel the promised land, he called it the land flowing with milk and honey. It's kind of a sticky description, Right? But here's what he meant by that. If you were in an agricultural society, you would know exactly what he meant. The reason that was a wonderful land, because if the land is flowing with milk, that meant that there's lots of little calves. That meant that the mama cow's bags of milk are full because she just had calves and she's got to feed those calves. And so that meant as far as their cattle and, and that part, this is doing really well. But not only that, but it said flowing with honey, because if there's honey, that means there's bees. And if there's bees, that means that there's crops that are flourishing and blossoming as the bees are drawing from it and coming back to the hive. And so they would have heard this, oh my goodness, this is a land with great water supply, with great soil, so much so that everything that we do in an, in an agrarian society just works. The cattle are being fed and they're being hydrated and, and they're reproducing and there's lots of babies and there's lots of milk and, and the honeybees are everywhere because the, look at the, all the orchards and the trees. This is why it was a land of milk and honey because it was so resourced. And he's trying to get across to the, same, to the same thing. He says, listen, if you have no money, and by the way, other translations say, even if you have no money, that's important because I can't tell you how many Christians think, well, yeah, but I, you know, I... I got nothing to bring to the Lord. I mean, my spiritual life's kind of, you know, it's still a little patchy here, and, and I don't have anything to come and bargain with or bring to him. He says, no, I don't care. I don't care if you have any money or not. I don't care if you have anything to bring to the table. He said, if you're feeling thirsty, come to the waters. He goes on in the next verse, or in that same verse, and says, yes, come and buy wine and milk with no money. Again, wine is talking about the produce, all, the, all the, the vineyards are doing well, and the milk is, the cattle's doing well. He said, come by with no money and without price. In other words, I'm, there's, I'm not even charging for this. How much is that? It's not, it's not for sale. You can have it, though, but there's no price tag on this. But here's the question then. Well, how do we buy with no money? What does he even mean there? Did you know that there's other mediums of exchange besides money? And in this case, what you're going to have to bring to the table is your time. You're going to have to bring your attention. You're going to have to bring your thirst and say, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not just looking at that. That's, I'm not just looking at the dry place of my life. I'm so thirsty. I'm so hungry for change. I'm so hungry for God to do something that, that I've never been able to do on my own. You're going to have to bring that kind of commitment. Now, in order to stir that kind of hunger, in order to stir that kind of thirst in you, the prophet Isaiah is going to ask a couple of rhetorical questions, and they're really relevant even today. They were 700 years ago, but they're even relevant today. He, he asks this question, why do you spend your money for what is not bread? And bread is what they would, would refer to generically as what really nourished the body. So it had all the ingredients that would keep you alive and nurse you. He said, why do you keep spending all of your money for what's, not, what's really not going to nourish you? It's temporary for a little bit, 
but it's really not going to get you healthy. Why do you keep doing that? And it's rhetorical. It's meant to kind of sit for a while for you to be like, am I doing that? And, And if I am, why am I doing that? And then he goes on and he says, and your wages for what does not satisfy. So here he upgrades it. He says, not just your disposable cash, you've actually got it budgeted. It's actually part of your budget to be able to do things that are, it's, it's not that God's against all the extracurricular stuff, but you're doing it to compensate and to combat and try to get yourself to feel well and feel healthy when God's offering you a source that will actually get you to be well and be healthy. And then you can do all that other stuff. You'll have a little more money to work with more than likely, but you can do all that other stuff and really enjoy it. But it's a great question because how many areas even do God's people have that we compensate? We're exhausted, so, you know, we don't have time for, to spend in the Bible, and, and we don't have time to, you know, to spend in prayer and talking to the Lord, but we'll binge on Netflix because we just need to relax. We just need to, or we're going on trips, and we're taking hobbies, and listen, God's not against any of that. He's really not. God's a super fun God. But when you've replaced that and you're substituting, he's asking the question, why are you doing that? Why are you just caught in this trap and you keep patchworking your life when you could tap into the source and it would really get you to be well and would really fulfill you and then you could still do some of that other stuff but you'd really enjoy it. He says, why are you doing that? And then he gives you the piece of instruction. This is where we're coming to a close. He said, listen carefully to me. Like, listen up. Listen, listen, please. Pay attention to this. He says, listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight in abundance. Now, those two are connected together because the first thing they show you a cause and effect. If you'll eat what is good, if you'll come back and tap into the source of the Lord, then the result is your life will get well and you, your soul will begin to feel the abundance. You'll live a real fulfilled life. I mean, you may have less in some areas because you're not compensating, but you don't, you realize, I didn't even need that in the first place. I'm actually happier and healthier and enjoying life more because I'm eating what is actually good. That becomes first priority. But the other thing it's telling you is that when you're eating what is good, there are no restrictions. There's no limitations. Eat as much as you want. You can't overindulge. You just can't. You can enjoy what God is giving you, what God, you know, the the time with the Lord. You can enjoy that as much as you want. You can't overdo this. He says, so just keep eating. Verse three goes on and says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And that word live is not just survive. That word live would be the counterpart of the New Testament in John 10, 10, where Jesus said, let me show you life to the full. Let me show you what your fullest life's going to be. He says, this is how you're going to get there. Come, come listen to what I'm going to tell you. You know, it's, it's like what Jesus said, if any of you that are weary and heavy laden come to me and I will give you rest, he doesn't mean a good night's sleep. He means I will show you how to live a restorative life. In the message translation, the next verse says, come and let me show you the rhythms of my grace. That life flows in a rhythm. But the very first thing in that whole cycle is we connect with the Lord and we connect with his word first and foremost. And here's the last part here and we'll bring it to a close. He says, uh, incline your ear, come to me and your soul will live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Here's the reason that we need to see everlasting covenant because I've met a lot of Christians and they think if, if, if by some great chance God does do something wonderful for you, You better just enjoy that because you probably used up your coupon. 
Because the next time, he, he said, well, I, but I just did that for you, so. But, but that's not what God says. God says, listen, like the rock that flows in the wilderness, this is an everlasting flow. So you can, you can enjoy a wonderful blessing of the Lord and turn around and talk to him tomorrow. And he says, yeah, I got plenty. I got more, sure. I got plenty. This is not a one and done. Like every once in a while when God, for some reason, smiles on you, this is an everlasting flow, an everlasting covenant. And, and he said to the Jewish people who would have understood this, he said, like the sure mercies of David, David was their superhero. And you can see throughout the Psalm, throughout the books of First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, how many times that David was delivered by the Lord supernaturally from crazy odds, starting with, with uh, his facing Goliath as a teenager. There's no way he wins that battle. But not only does he win, he runs over and cuts Goliath's head off, and then they go and kill Goliath's two brothers, and the whole army of Israel comes out from hiding in the rocks, and they conquer the Philistines. It was a national victory that was celebrated for the rest of, of time, because a little shepherd boy realized that he had a source he could tap into. And he's saying, in just as sure, as confident, as demonstrated, as tried and true and proven, as new every single morning as the mercies and the goodness and the resource of God was to David, he said, yeah, I'm making that same everlasting covenant with you. This is what it, the Bible's working so hard. 700 years there's a prophecy. Then later Jesus makes this grand announcement at just the right time. And then Paul picks up on it and says, please, please pay attention. Because we're not just celebrating something that happened one time. We're celebrating the fact that that's an all the time for you and I. We have a literal source of wellness. It starts spiritually as our soul begins to learn to prosper and move forward in the things of God. But it doesn't stop there. It resources every single areas of your life. When you hear about inflation, you ought to lean into the source. And the Holy Spirit might talk to you about, well, let's budget this differently and let, let's begin to prepare. But the Holy Spirit at the same time will build your confidence and say, don't you worry a bit. I'm your source. I won't let you fall. We have a covenant together, and I will show you my everlasting mercies. I'll show you just like I did with David. Even if we're in a desert, don't worry. I'll make resources come to you because you belong to me. This is real. This is how it actually works, which lets me end on these questions. What if just for a couple of weeks, what if we just believed, let me just use this word playfully, what if we pretended that it actually was real? What if we just said, hey, Let's just switch stuff up. Let's just try this. Instead of going with the excuse of, Pastor, I know I should spend time in the Word and I should spend time with the Lord, but I'm just so busy. I got so many things going on, but I'm trying. I'm trying to get there. Or, you know what? I, I've done that before. I just don't really get anything out of it. I just don't feel like, what, what if we just said, you know what? This is real. It's, it's crazy. It's impossible to think that I could spend a little bit of time opening the Bible. I could literally ask the Holy Spirit, would you, would you really just come? Would you help me to see something today or help me to get something today that would resource my life, that would restore, that would refocus and realign me so that I could be doing what you want me to do? Would you really do that for me today? I know that's just crazy for some people to believe, but it's not any crazier than a rock following two million Jews across the desert for 40 years and pouring water out wherever they were. And Paul's trying to get us to say, this is what we have. What if for the next couple of weeks, we just said, okay, 15 minutes. I got 15 minutes, uninterrupted. I'm gonna sit down and open my Bible and I'm gonna say, God, talk to me. Talk to me, Holy Spirit, show up. Make this real to me. 
Make it like it was the rock where I could open this and come to the rock anytime and I could get what I need. What if we just did that and we trusted God and let's just see what happens. I'm, I'm gonna tell you because I have done it in my life and this is the result. He'll show up every single time. He's a faithful God. He wants to show up in your life. God will show up and do what he says. And as you stay with that and the well begins to fill up and then finally it begins to spill over and finally this river is flowing through your life and you're confident, you're at peace. I don't care what's going on everywhere else. You're like, God's got me. God's got this. And you just go back to him. As it begins to move, I'm just telling you, your life will never, ever, ever be the same. Now, if you're thirsty and you really want to do that, I don't mean to spin it around into modern technology, but just so that I can give everybody a chance to catch on, there's a number that's going to come up on your screen. Text wellness to that number, and we're going to help you. I mean, real time. We, we want to really help you to learn how to do this. Some of you said, yeah, I've, I've been doing this. I just need a little sharpening. Yeah, we can help you. Ah, I tried it before. I'm just not able to make it. We can help you. I've never tried it before. I know we can help you. But just text wellness to this number on the screen, and we want to help you really legitimately get this flow going because I'm telling you it's real and as Christians I have a sense from reading the Bible that as we move forward into these last days whatever it looks like we're going to need to understand the source not talking doomsday stuff I'm talking faithfulness of God stuff God's got us covered here let me begin by praying for you as we close the service today father thank you for the word of God thank you that you're such a wonderful God such a faithful God that promises us and anticipated and set all this up so that we can enjoy the resources. Thank you, Lord, that you really do want us to prosper and be in health as our soul begins to grow and mature and move forward in you. And I'm asking, Lord, if there's anybody here who's never really given their life to Jesus, that they would do that today. Lord, if there are people here that gave their life to him a long time ago but haven't really been walking and they want to rededicate, you know, first time in a long time, Holy Spirit, talk to them today. Lord, I thank you for the rest of us. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. Help us to see what we need to see, to understand what we need to understand. Clear all the clutter and all the excuses and, and all the religious notions we've compiled. Clear all that out and help us to hear clearly and concisely your promise to us today. Give us the courage to step in and to begin to, to tap into this resource. And then, Lord, I thank you in advance that you will do exactly what you promised you would do. You will refresh, you will restore, you will realign, and you will refocus us. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.